हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब द फॉलोइंग इज अ कॉन्वर्सेशन विद डार्लीन धिलन a passionate performer and teacher of kathak darlene is a senior student of the legendary pandit chitresh das she began her training with him at san francisco state university in 99 and quickly became involved as a teacher and apprentice company member at his school ms thilan has performed at venues like the prestigious green music center in sonoma the california state fair Scottsdale Center for Performing Arts and Cal Performances at UC Berkeley. In 2018, she relocated to West Bengal, India for 2 years to become involved in the rich cultural landscape of the region. While in India, she taught workshops at Shanti Niketan Society of Visual Art and Design and Jogesh Mime Academy in Kolkata. She has performed solos at Akar Prakar Gallery in Kolkata and the University of Calcutta. She met the esteemed Kathak guru Pandit Ashim Bandhu Bhattacharya during her travels and began her ongoing mentorship with him. Darlene currently runs her school Amrita Kathak Global in San Francisco. She teaches dance as a way for students to develop their physical and mental strength while learning about the depth of Indian classical music and dance. Her dance company will premiere new choreography at Non-Fiction Design Studios in San Francisco in September 2022. Yeah, Arlene. So, just to get started, what would you say has been like, say, the highlight of your day so far? Ah, uh, the highlight of my day. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I. Um, well, I just finished teaching a class. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a student of mine. She's uh, been learning with me. Um, maybe um not quite a year about 8 months mm-hmm. and um she's uh, 8 years old and um she's doing great and um she has a lot of dedication and um it's always great to teach the students that are really interested in learning mm-hmm. and um so she has a real love for it and uh and i i'm i'm impressed with her too because i don't normally see the kids really pick up um the the footwork like she has So um I'm already teaching her uh, Solagun Tatkar now because she's able to pick it up. So wow. um yeah. That's definite highlight of the day. Did some grocery shopping. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um so I uh, one thing I was curious about Arlene like uh, since you know uh, do you think that's more of uh, like like in this example like what you've generally seen do you think it's more like nature versus nurture do you think that's something they were inherently born with or they kind of had an environment where they were exposed to more rhythm growing up which helped them pick up things earlier what have you seen in your experience uh that's actually a really good um uh question i think um i do think um kids uh, that have the uh, exposure to uh the arts and they have exposure to dance um so this child in particular her mother learned kathak growing up in new jersey and um and so um her, you know it can go either way you know because there's some parents that are really like you know they learned kathak growing up so they really want to live vicariously through their child and have their child do it as well right and so then they push the child to do it and um and i always tell the parents you know like you know you shouldn't push the child uh because uh they have to also want to learn they also have to have a um kind of a connection with it and kind of a affinity towards it uh but um uh, i do find that um kids that have uh like you know ex- some kind of exposure their parents have done it before it it is better for them because the parents can kind of be they can help the kid learn um as they go because um uh, uh, i would say i rely on the parents quite a bit for the children in their learning um because it's important for the parents to know uh, what the child is learning because they can't generally remember from week to week so um yeah and then some kids are just you know their parents don't um have any exposure to um classical dance or 
or dancing in general. And then some kids just pick it up. But whatever the case is, if they have an affinity towards it, then I really try to push them as hard as I can. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for laying that out. That helps understand what comes across in terms of nature versus nurture. And since kind of you're, te- if you're, you're teaching full time now, correct? Yes. So I just want to transition into my next question. Like, how did you begin teaching full time? And what was the transition for you? Like switching from, like, say, the corporate sector to teaching full time? So it was a, um, it was a really hard transition mm-hmm. uh, because um, I, I was living in San Francisco and I was working at an architecture firm for about five years straight. And uh, I did love the work and I, I enjoyed my job quite a bit. And I had the, you know, the financial security and, you know, had my own apartment and, you know, um, uh, and then kind of did dance on the side. Um, but then as my commitment to the dance grew over time, and I realized that I did want to actually do a solo. I did want to perform my first Katak solo. And um, I was teaching and I loved teaching the the joy that I got from teaching. So I started teaching in 2005 uh, when um, I joined uh, Chandam School of Katak uh, because I studied with um, the late Pandit Chitresh Das and um, had the great fortune of learning with him. And um, and so I would try to balance it out. And he, he as a guru was very demanding. So I had to um, constantly, um, I found myself um, really having a difficult time in life where I couldn't find a balance really, uh, where I was, you know, uh, I'd be working my work. I was a manager at my, at my job and that was demanding. Um, that would, you know, by the time I came home, I would be exhausted. And then sometimes we'd have to go directly from work um, a few of us would carpool, uh, get into a car, drive across the Bay Bridge and go to Berkeley and to a studio there and dance together. And, um, and some of the best memories of my life. But then, yeah, then having to come after being uh, emotionally and mentally drained and then walk into the classroom and be like ready to, OK, ready to do uh, be pushed uh, again. So I don't think I was, you know, I don't think I was giving like obviously it's hard. I wasn't giving my hundred percent to either activity. So I did feel um, like it was, it was time to kind of take the leap, um, especially after I did my solo. So I worked for another one to two years. um, And when, even when I was training for my solo, I was going to, um, I'd come home from work and I was trying, my mentor had me train um, twice a day. So I would um, practice in the morning at the gym. And then I would, um, after work, I would go home, eat, um, relax for a bit. And then 2 a.m. I would go to the gym to do my practice, to continue my practice. Because I needed that much to be able to get to the place I wanted to be because musicians were coming from India and I, I really wanted to do my best. So, um, and I found it hard to, you know, have time for uh, uh, social life, friends, and my family are very important to me, and I uh, didn't have a lot of time for family, so that was also um, hard. So I just realized, like, yeah, the time came, um, uh, the company, the architecture company I was working for, they were transitioning leaderships, and, um, and then um, I was getting more inquiries to teach, and, uh, and so then I just decided that I, I would take the leap and I had the opportunity to move in with my family. Yeah. So, um, and they've been so supportive ever since. Hmm. And uh, more of a logistical question in terms of like, say you're a manager and, I, and, and from what I understand, I am still an individual contributor, but I, I, from what I understand, managers can tend to have like longer work days or like meetings outside business hours and things like that so for yourself if you had those situations how did you set boundaries between say declining any meetings when you had classes and things like that how did you set up your timetable that way that one wouldn't interfere with the other so to speak um i mean i was pretty lucky in that my my boss 
he knew that I was like a tuck dancer and he had come to my uh, performances, um, yeah. so many performances that I did uh, with um, when I when Guruji was still alive, and then even after, mm-hmm. and uh, so so he knew how important it was to me. He actually would let allow me to leave early to mm. go to my dance classes. So I, I actually, when I got the job, I I was very clear and upfront in saying that um, you know I'm uh, I practice uh, Gattak dance and I'm a I'm a teacher as well. And um, and I'm part of um, an apprentice member of this dance company, and um, so I need I need to be able to get off at a certain time to be able to get to my classes. And, and so I would have. The, did your boss boss know what Kathak was, or it was kind of part of your you educating them like what Kathak is or what is this dance form as you join? No, the they had no idea what Kathak was. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah, and and it was really great for them to kind of learn what it was and to um you know to see their reaction once they would come and see the performances that was always really nice uh but again then the pressures of the job grew Mm -hmm. and then uh you know i felt just torn in two and um and i of course like you know i wanted to maintain my own autonomy financial security and all these things which are really important Mm -hmm. uh for everyone you know everyone needs that um, but for me, I just, um, I knew that, like, I, I knew deep down that um, this teaching, teaching Kathak and practicing Kathak is more important to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it brings me more joy. Understood. Okay. So. And regarding architecture, so, you, you know, there is, like, when we talk about Kathak, there's some like synergy between say Kathak and painting, so to speak, because we talk about drawing lines through our hands and painting a landscape on stage. Have you found any parallels between architecture or the work you did as, as in the architecture firm and Kathak, or is it more of a stretch to put those together? What has your experience been in terms of crossover between those two? Well, I, I always uh, thought that um, architecture is a, a kind of an art. Hmm. Um, and I would have this conversation with my boss and um, he didn't quite think it, it was he thought it was pretentious to think of it as an art okay um, but I, I saw what the what the architects did and the way that they design and the way that they put things together and elements together there's a lot of geometry mm-hmm. uh, in in this I mean I'm not an expert I was never an expert at architecture but just I was on the operational side and the business side of things yeah and um, and I did learn a lot about uh, architecture by working there and um and i do find that yeah you know in that sense the shapes the different geometrical shapes uh, in a building you know and and uh, and our dance is geometrical mm-hmm. and the way we move our bodies and so i think that's one parallel and it, yeah and i do think it's kind of an art form as well and see in terms of the work you create darlene like ha- have the geometric shapes or all that have have you seen that seep into the things you create consciously or subconsciously in terms of the yes. work you do yes i do because um because uh, guruji uh, he he was very big on um and uh, big on the that and his creations in the geometrical shapes so I think as a result, I, I really um, started really liking that. A lot of, you know, I love the movements across the floors, the diagonal lines, um, those kinds of things are really, I think, very beautiful. Um, I think it's also interesting, you know, I, I, I think we're kind of going also into another one of the uh, uh, questions is how do you plan choreographies? And I think I draw a bit, a, a bit of inspiration from, hmm from Guruji in that sense that that I do like I love how the play of lines diagonal lines and um and I try to think about um and I think this is what he was a real expert in in that um like if you and I I had actually seen some of his choreographies from the balcony yeah and watching it from the balcony it it's also like such a beautiful uh so many beautiful shapes and lines and when you say from the balcony what does that mean and that and what does that mean oh um like you know say if i'm if i'm watching a, a dance choreography from the balcony in a in a theater oh okay understood hmm. so uh, so he would stand in the balcony and choreograph from there and the dancers were on the stage kind of thing or 
Oh uh, no, oh, no. Um, you know, like so sometimes I would I I would see the dance from, from oh, that perspective. Okay. But but he um actually he had this uncanny way of actually doing that and not he never saw it from above. Oh, okay, but I think you. he that's how his imagination worked, I think. Okay, that makes sense. I was just trying to put that together in my head. And speaking of upcoming work, I know you're kind of working on a dance drama based on your like life struggles. Could you tell us a little about that? What what's going on with that? Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, um, this dance drama it's in the very beginning stages, um, but um, you know I've I've been practicing. Um, you know I still consider myself a, a, a very much a beginner in Kathak because I've been practicing for twenty years, and um, I always want to be uh, learning and growing. And, um, and uh, so one of the things is that I, you know, now I've, I've spent a lot of time in working on the techniques and spending, you know, delving deep into that. But I think another um, aspect of, of being a, a practicing an art form and being and tr attempting to be an artist, I think is that, you know, we all have our own individual story and we, and I really, this year, I really started to think about what do I bring to my dance? What do I, as a Darlene, as a dancer, what is my story, and um, and uh, you know what is my history? What am I bringing to it? You know, um, Gatak has helped me to find a lot of strength, but also one of the uh, things is that um, you know uh, both of my parents passed away. Like my mother um, passed away in my early twenties, and my father when I was a child. So um, so that idea of of loss is uh, something I want to explore a little bit more in, in what I do. Um, and instead of telling someone else's story, I want to, I want to tell my own and hopefully that can empower and help others to share their story and to find healing and what they have gone through. Understood. And the way you're going to go about this, are you kind of doing it like you say a little bit, do a little bit, that kind of a repertoire thing, or do you want to do it completely as a dance form and leave it for people to interpret as they feel fit? How do you feel you're going to present it eventually? Oh, right now I I have, um, you know, it's a really like loose idea. Like I'm kind of uh, got the um, kind of the concepts. I'm kind of working through all the concepts. I have a few compositions that I really, I really think help to kind of describe the things I want to say. So I'm, I'm focusing on the compositions first and, um, and then kind of bringing the concepts together. It's still very much in the early stages and I have a lot more work to do on it, but I, I think, um, uh, the, well, the performance in September, actually, um, it's, um, it's actually, uh, not going to be, uh, we're not going to be showcasing so much of this, uh, uh, this dance drama, because I'm saving this for, this is going to require a lot more work, but um, in September, um, actually September 29th, um, uh, we've been invited to uh, perform at an art opening, and um, it's one of, uh, one of the uh, great upcoming uh, sculptors of, of India, um, Shora Baraj Chowdhury is going to be having a a sculpture show in San Francisco, and so um, called Emergence, and um, you know as we're emerging from the pandemic, and and uh, and so um, it's going to be the first time that uh, my dance company and I are going to perform together. And um, I just formed uh, the dance company, and um, and they're made up of my my own students, which um, you know now that uh, COVID is kind of more manageable and live performances are happening, I'll uh, they'll. I have a chance to actually work with them and choreograph. So I'm working with them on um, just, uh, you know, um, uh, like a short, some short choreographies, some salajavabs and things like that for this production. Hmm. Understood. And is that something you think there's going to be a live stream available? Or it's going to be in person only? What, what have you heard about the performance on September 29th? Uh, it'll be in person and we can, we're going to do a live stream as well. Okay. Very cool. Understood. And how many people do you think you'll have like in terms of your ensemble and everything? Oh, you, oh. oh, I'm sorry. It just cut out a little bit. Okay. Yeah, Can you please repeat? Yeah, how, I was just asking you how many people you, you think you'll have in your ensemble like for the performance? There's eight in the ensemble. Okay. 
sounds good yeah all the best for that and um, thank you so much one thing i do want to understand so, so now darlene like you're at a place where you're kind of have your own school your own dance academy looking back you've been taught a certain way whether it comes to like teaching yeah when you, you yeah, you've been taught a certain way and you teach a certain way and so i just wanted to understand those nuances like how do you feel you teach differently than how you were taught Um, I really try to, um, you know, draw inspiration uh, from my Guruji. I mean, obviously, the way that I have, the way I teach, I've learned to teach Kathak from, from my Guruji. And um, one of the things, um, and I can just tell you a little bit about him. So, um, you know, the way, the way that he taught, um, I, he had this uncanny ability to just um, be able to, um, you know, to focus on every student in the class, like no matter what their ability was. So um, you're going to have students in a class that, uh, that you know, have, have strong footwork. Uh, you may have them in the, in the same class, somebody with strong footwork or somebody who can't uh, um, really take chakras. They have, a, they have, they've had an injury. They have, uh, so they're not able to take the chakras as well, right? Um, so he always found a way to reach each student and, and modify uh, what he was uh, asking of each student um, to pull out the, the, the best from each one. Uh, and so um, I try my best to, to do that, um, you know, because even if you have levels, there's levels, right? But in, within those levels, there's a spectrum of uh, abilities in a class, right? So you won't have, you won't have, even if they're, uh, you know, a certain level, you'll, you're going to have some variation there, right? And, um, and I really try to, um, like, you know, I, I see teaching as like, it's like an exquisitely tailored garment of sorts, that it, it's, I don't think that you can have it be um, a one size fits all approach, that it has to be in order to reach each, each student, you have to modify it based what you're doing based on each student there. That is a pretty cool quote, Darlene. Exclusive, Thank you. Exclusively tailored. You said exclusively tailored dress or? Garment. Yes, garment, yes. Okay, very cool. Understood. And okay, that's for, I understand like, yeah, I think making it custom to each is pretty challenging, especially like say in a group setting compared to privates as well um and in terms of like what kathak uh, I, I like it seems like you know you, you yourself were so drawn to kathak that you kind of made it your mission to make it full time and you're there now in terms of what it does for your students what have you found you've been able to teach your students when you teach kathak as well in terms of life skills so to speak well uh I mean, I, I think it, it Gathak, learning Kathak can give you um, uh, access to so many uh, different life skills, um, uh, you know, because I think when a student gets to a certain point, you, you, when they get pushed physically, then you, you really kind of, um, you know, we, we fight with our, ourselves as we're dancing, you know, we're pushing, we have, we're pushing ourselves because we want we want to also be able to do what the person next to us is doing in the class. And we want to be able to do what the teachers is asking of us. And um, so I think it teaches a lot of strength. Um, Gattak is one of those art forms, like you, you have to first have a strength, I, I believe. You know, what Guruji used to say um, that you have to have, you know, tayari, lekari, kubsurti, nazakat, uh, in that order. And that tayari, the stamina is really, really important. So um, really pushing the students and, um, uh, you know, they learn, they learn that strength. And I think, I do believe, you know, there's a, there's a huge connection between our, you know, our uh, physical body and our, and our mental world, right? So building that physical strength, we're simultaneously building mental strength. Uh, at the same time, and that helps us in all different kinds of situations. Um, Lake Adi, um, you know, I, I've seen so many students struggle with the idea of Lake Adi, the understanding of rhythms, because Gattak has, um, you know, we work with the uh, Indian classical rhythms, which are, you know, it's, some, it's one of the most complex 
rhythmical systems in the world. And um, so that's another challenge. So, um, you know, you were presented with that challenge, you know, some students kind of pick it up if they've had musical training or dance training, but other students don't pick it up right away. And um, I, I just really love that moment when, when, you know, you have a student who's been struggling with Leia for so long and, you know, you're playing the, the, uh, the nugma for them again and again and again, and it still doesn't come on some. But then, you know, like, you know, a one year later after they've been practicing and practicing, then it, it just happens. And, and I think for Leia, I think you really, um, just from my own personal experience is that in order to have good Leia, you have to be in tune with yourself. You have to be in tune with who, who you are, what you're doing, um, you know, you have to understand yourself as well as you can in this very moment. Um, so I think that that's very important for, for Leia. Um, How, what's to, the relation between being in tune with yourself and understanding a compositions? <laughs> like I wanted to get into deeper into that. Like That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, Leia is a certain rhythm, right? Yeah. And so inside our bodies, we have rhythm. You know, our, our heartbeat is a rhythm. Okay. Right. And so if we're not grounded, if we're not um, personally, I'm just speaking from personally when yeah. I was not grounded or when I wasn't, um, you know, um, not, not feeling um, solid and um, in myself, mm -hmm. then I found it more challenging for me to grasp the Leia. Okay. So when, how does one bring like, so what would you recommend for like, your students to be more grounded? Is it like more meditation, more like taking care of themselves? Like, how do you recommend people get grounded specifically from a context of getting better at Kathak, so to speak, I guess? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that, uh, I think, of course, like practicing the composition over and over again until you can get it, I think you have to go deep into your, um, into the, into the actual practice of the the Leia and um, and sitting with the Leia and just you know doing it over and over again that repetition is huge um, but in order to do that repetition so when you're when you're repeating it over and over again then you're kind of at odds with yourself there's a point where you can't you don't get it and you don't get it and then you feel down and you feel horrible about yourself that you just it's not happening it's not coming and then what do you do in that situation you um, either you find the strength and you find you find the strength to be able to like say, okay, yeah, I didn't do it and I wasn't able to do it, but you know, I there's a there's a bit of perseverance that you develop, I think, by practicing a classical art form. Because even the most talented person struggles with it. Even the most knowledgeable person does. So I think, I think Gatak, yeah, going back to your original question, I think I might have digressed a bit, but yeah, I think one of the life skills we do learn is perseverance. Understood, understood. And that kind of grounds you as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Narlene, one thing I want to understand is like, so say if you're dealing with students in like it's in California, and from what I've understood, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, usually like say in the south asian population they have like 10 hobbies going on they're doing swimming and ballet and piano and you know they are like throwing kathak in there as well they're also doing prep schools and come on and trying to get into the berkeley's and stanford's of the world so i'll start and they're kind of and the way our admission system is kind of uh set up it's kind of like the south asians are kind of competing with each other right just, just, just because of the way it's set up Right. So amidst all that, how do you get their attention? How do you get them to practice? How do you kind of, I think a part of it is also you'd have to make peace with, you know, this is what you have. This is the time they have. This is the era you're teaching in. How do you deal with all of that? Very curious about your thoughts on that. Uh, it's, I mean, it's really tough. It's, it's an uphill battle um, because yeah, the kids like they do have, they have a lot of activities and it's, it's hard for them to prioritize. And, um, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm struggling with that a bit. You know, I, I have a couple of students who've graduated from their studies and then, you know, with, they have great ability. And, um, and um, you know, um, I, I think you do have to kind of, uh, I, 
you know, I, I, um, I don't, I don't necessarily say that I push. I, I just try to, uh, I do have, I do try to be a bit accommodating. I think, I think that is um, in, important um, because um, that, you know, uh, otherwise, um, you know, I want them to continue it, you know, um, and there's points in our life where it's harder to maintain. And, um, and you, and at that, those are the points where you need the encouragement. So, um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, and I say to them, I say, okay, well, you have a test, right? So you have a really a big test, um, you know, and the parents will say, no, they can't, uh, they can't come uh, to class. So I'll say, I'll say, you know, let's, let's do a compromise, you know, like get, like, can they, I actually like do a conference with the parents and I say, you know, look, you know, can you, um, you know, can, can their study time be, you know, can they do it on the certain other day? And, you know, can they actually, you know, be able to come to class because it'll make them feel better, you know, to have that outlet to, to do their dance and have that consistency. So most of the times, most of the times, yeah, then we, we do find that balance. The other thing is, my, you know, you have to have also, you have to be a bit accommodating, but then you also have to be, uh, you know, my policy is my policy. So I only give them a certain amount of days that they can actually miss in the, in the session. So if they uh, miss those days, then that's, then, you know, that's on them to make it up. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for laying that out. And yeah, pretty good, pretty amazing that you kind of go in case by case and you're trying to problem solve everyone's schedules at that level as well. That's a lot of that takes a lot of dedication and patience for sure. And that um, one thing I was curious about. This is more of a general thing. There's no easy answer to this. I know this, right? So, mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, um, right now Kathak solos, most Kathak polo solos, most Rangmanches, whatever you call it happen at the age of 15, 16, around the time they graduate high school. And that's also I've seen at the time where most people quit Qatar. Now, I've asked this to a lot of people um, generally from and now I've understood, I've also understood like that after you graduate from school, there's not much for them to do. There are not much avenues for them to explore because they eventually have, they have to essentially become like a freelance artist kind of thing. There's, you'd have to kind of start doing things on your own and not everyone's inclined to that. So in terms of the and wanted to get your thoughts on this darling like if you want if we wanted to as a community wanted to retain more people after high school um if that's something they wanted to do what do you think we should be doing what do you think some framework should be in place that you can increase retention of the students after the solo and people just don't like nope out and say bye i'm done yeah yeah no that's a that's a good question and i think um you know i think it's something that all the Kathak uh, dance schools, I think, are struggle with that and try try to find ways to keep keep the students and engaged. Um, I, I think you know, um, I think we have to cultivate some kind of support for the students, and we have to we have to um, you know we can try to help them along the way. You know, um, uh, you know, encourage encourage them to um, uh, to practice to keep their practice up. Because it might, it might be, you know, the, the, there's also the situation where they, uh, you know, they have, they, they start uh, working or what have you. And I think, I think, you know, actually, I think Zoom has been a great tool, actually, you know, uh, at first I, you know, of course, like when first we started during the pandemic, we started teaching on Zoom, it was really hard. And it was like, you know, I, uh, it was hard to sync up the Leia, it was hard to, um, you know, uh, to, you know, see if the, you know, if they're, if they're actually understanding what you're, what you're teaching them and the, the, all of that. Um, but then, you know, I think we figured out how to work with Zoom. So now we have this as a tool, right? And, um, and so I think keeping that bridge open with the student, even if they're doing virtual classes, I think when they've reached a certain level, I think that's a bridge that we can keep with the, with the student. You know, um, I think keeping that connection is huge, you know, like keeping in touch with them and, you know, um, having them continue the classes. Hmm. Understood. So I guess keeping that bridge um, is the key thing and just maintaining that continuity from your side as well, like from a teacher's perspective. That's good to know. 
And I guess wanted to switch gears a bit and talk about like your time living in India as well when you went there and kind of continued your practice as well, going to Shanti Niketan. Could you tell us a little bit about that aspect? Yes. Um, so I had the opportunity to go to um, to go to India and um, uh, and it was a time that I was transitioning um, out of my job. Um, so then I, I decided to um, to just take that leap and go to India. And um, so I I was there. I ended up living there for for two years. And um, Shanti Niketan is um, you know in West Bengal. Um, and it's one of the most, I think, one of the most inspiring places uh, for us artists. Um, um, you know, there's beautiful gardens and the town itself was established by Rabindranath Tagore, the great Nobel laureate. And um, uh, there, there, uh, there's art everywhere. There's literally art everywhere from, you know, you can go to an, a, like a fancy art gallery and see the, you know, some of the top artists of, of India. Um, and you can see um, dance and music performances, um, even all the way to the, you know, the villagers are so colorful in their dress and their, um, and they, they, there's, they have, they draw all over their, their homes and <laughs> there's painting everywhere. So I think it's a, a great source of inspiration. Um, it has been for me at least. And uh, I really enjoyed practicing there and develop, you know, working on my art um, in, in that environment. Um, it was nice. It's it's hard to practice this art form in the United States um, uh, because we're not in you know we're not deep in the culture, um, the Indian culture on a day to day basis. So for me, I think it was really important to um, just I was I felt like a sponge and I just was absorbing um, the culture and I and enjoyed it so much. Um, and then again, you know, um, going, you know, having access to being able to go to Kolkata where, you know, all the great uh, musicians and dancers and so many gurus live there. And, um, and that I, I just loved. I, every time I went to Kolkata, just seeing the, the performances was just such a learning for me. Hmm. Understood. And um... Are there any like any memorable performances you saw there or like any uh, yeah any memorable performances any anecdotes you have from the art scene that you wanted to share from your trip there uh yeah um you know i would say like um you know i i found really inspiring um you know i saw a lot of performances uh, there, but uh, I, I think um, I really loved the, the smaller like Beitak types of uh, performances okay. uh, where um, those would be the house concerts and uh, they would go for the whole evening and then the young artists would, would play yeah. and um, up and coming artists. And so that was really inspiring mm. to see that. Understood. Um, and would you say that that has changed the way that you're going to like create things as well like have, have you seen that seeping into your art or like what you will do to present here in the u.s so to speak yes definitely okay. definitely um yeah and you know i'm inspired by the types of compositions the different artists did um yeah it was really wonderful experience understood and uh, i guess we have touched upon everything else i did want to talk about i think i didn't mention your Add me by name, so it's called the Amrita Amrita Katha Global, uh, and we understand that you kind of transition full time. But you could tell us a little bit about your academy, how many students you have, how you have it set up, all that stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. So I have thirty students, and um, I I just kind of started rebuilding my my school um, from uh, twenty twenty. Um, so I was in India for two years and I was practicing. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention too is that I was also in awe of um, uh, Pandita Shimbandu Bhattacharya, who's a, a Gatha guru in, in Kolkata. And so I actually had the opportunity to meet him in, uh, in Shantiniketan. And um, now uh, I have ongoing mentorship with him over Zoom. And um, I also went back to India in March. So I had the chance to train with him and um, just an unbelievable uh, performer and an artist and uh, so happy to be learning from him. Uh, and uh, so yeah, going back to my school. So I, um, I, I it, the pan pandemic started and my partner lives in, um, in Kolkata. So I then I, I 
I was there in India on a tourist visa. So I had to leave because I had no other option because of uh, my visa was ending and there was no way to go back in and out and travel. You know, all the lockdown had started. So uh, then I had to come back to the U.S. And so when I came back, I um, I was really fortunate. Um, you know, a lot of the parents that I worked with before, um, I actually were, was teaching them on Zoom when I was in India. And, um, and I think also the parents really actually enjoyed, they, they also really liked the fact that I uh, was in India working on my art in India and absorbing the culture. And I found, definitely found a change in myself in the, you know, the way, the way I um, move and uh, the way, uh, you know, just absorbing the Indian aesthetic. Um, so, um, yeah, so the academy is uh, now uh, set up with, uh, there's uh, um, 30 students and, um, and we're growing and I teach in San Francisco. And um, I teach uh, from a dance studio space um, on the weekends. So I teach at this dance studio space and, um, and we have classes like, you know, back to back all, all day, um, well, all morning actually. And then, um, and then I also teach on the weekdays um, on Zoom. Yeah, and, and I'm just kind of starting out. So I'm at like, you know, the starting, like in the, in the beginning stages of, of the academy, but we, we have, um, I do think that it's also like very important for students to, you know, this is a performing art. And so for them to be able to perform and to share what they are learning, um, of course, they're not, it's not a like professional level performance, but um, I think all students, it's important for them to share where they're at with their uh, families. And so um, we do a once a year annual um, uh, uh, student showcase. So the students present what they have learned. Um, the first year we did it virtually. Um, and uh, we've only done two so far because I've only been operating for two years. So we did it virtually the first year. And then um, this year we did um, a student showcase in the dance studio. And next year, uh, well, actually this year, I'm hoping to do it on a stage. So I was able to, um, I knew this is the route that I wanted to go. I know, I know this is what I want to do and um, I'm still build, building that support. So I actually was able to, I, I received a fiscal sponsorship to um, this year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that has been huge because the whole route towards becoming a nonprofit is quite a long road. So it's a road that I'm still kind of exploring a bit. Um, but in the meantime, I have fiscal sponsorship um, and it's, um, I'm able, as, as, as essentially, sorry, essentially I'm able to use their nonprofit status to, um, you know, build, uh, to receive grants and to accept donations. Uh, because again, like, you know, on the school tuitions and uh, dance performances alone, that's not a real sustainable um, income for any dancer. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and um, so, so we also need to build um, support via grants. And um, mm -hmm. so now I'm, I'm able to have access to be able to do that. So I'm working towards that now to build, build further. So we're raising funds right now for uh, not only the well the, the September uh, performance with my mm -hmm. dance company um, at the uh, art opening, mm -hmm. but then I also am trying to build support to do, be able to do present the students um, in an actual theater space hmm. for their student showcase. Understood. When you say fundraising, is that like a Kickstarter thing or what uh, you talked about writing grants and getting that? What are the other ways you're looking to fundraise? Uh, yeah, we're looking into Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarters are great. Um, it's a great way to uh, fundraise through um, through our families and friends. Um, but yeah, that's also like you know, I mean, a lot of people like a lot of people use Kickstarters. Yeah, um, and and they they have they 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 are a great source of support for many artists. But again, it's not, it's still not enough to, you know, rent the theater hall and to um, really present um, a performance on, on a, you know, uh, on a certain level. So, you know, we have to pay the, the tech people, the sound people, uh, you know, everything and, uh, in or, and the costumes and everything. So that all requires a lot of support. So, um, uh, but, 
yeah, so Kickstarters are really important. And I think, you know, people, uh, it's important for um, us to get support through that. But then, you know, grants, like supplementing that with grants is also the only other way to sustain and to move forward. And yeah, I can understand that. Uh, is the grant writing process is it a bit of a pain or how does that whole thing work? Is it a lot of paperwork or how does that thing work? It's a lot of paperwork and um, when you're doing everything on your own, um, yeah. it's it's really difficult. Um, it, okay. So to balance that between, you know, Riaz to do your own practice, to push yourself forward, and then to also be training in a certain amount of hours and spending every, um, I teach uh, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have this community and to be able to, to do that. But, um, but on top of that, then there's Riaz and yeah. then there's also the, the grant writing. So yeah, I'm, I'm really like, you know, I try to be methodical about my deadlines. Like I, I you know, I start really early. Mm. I start as early as I can uh, with writing um, so cool. that I have enough time to pull it together. Um, if you know, if I see a grant deadline that's it's like due in a month, I might not go go for it. Oh, wow. um, because okay. um, yeah, for me, I know that's not enough time for for me. Um, Understood. So I guess Amrita, coming to my final question, you know, there's a pattern of you trying to, from what I understand, based on our forty minute conversation, of course, that there's a pattern of you trying like having a goal, working towards it, achieving it time after time, whether that's the architecture, whether that's transitioning full time, winning grants. Uh, when it comes to your dance company, when it comes to your academy, what would you say it's the most, what, what would you say is the most ambitious goal you've set for yourself that you can reveal at this time? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, like, I think one of the most ambitious goals is I think, you know, it requires a lot of infrastructure. Um, but I, I think um, what I really would like to do is to have um, uh, be able to um, have an avenue for the children to, to really take their um, study of the art form to a, a, a another level I mean so it, in in teaching Kathak and, and having a dance academy what have you you're going to have so many different levels right or you're going to have so many different people with different interests so um, there's some people that come to you that just want to learn for their own sadhana and they just want to uh, they just you know because I think as as a as a teacher and I I, th- I think um, you know um, because I'm also reading right now I'm reading um, uh, Ravi Shankarji's biography Indian Sun and um, they um, they talk about the time where that he was at All India Radio, and um, and I think our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation they had that exposure to Indian classical music, and um, and I guess through Duradashan even separately through Duradashan they they saw dance performances, so they actually know quite a bit about the um, like they may they themselves may not practice the the dance or the music but they know enough to be able to appreciate what they are watching right and so I think that patronage was built um, you know over time uh, through that exposure to the art Um, but I think you know I think my role as a teacher it's not just to um, train uh, dancers to be able to be performing artists someday that is a goal that's a big goal it's going to be take a lot of work and going to be really uh you know each year i try to reassess and see um i'm digressing a bit but i'll get back to your point you're, you're not digressing <laughs> i know I, I have a feeling where you know where you're going with this but go for it okay and 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 you know so like i think right now i think um i think we're in an exciting time you know if particularly this podcast i'm i'm also such a fan of this podcast and i i i use it as a source of inspiration for me because i hear what dancers and and um and i'm so inspired by the gurus who come on on this podcast and they they share their um expertise and um they share their struggles and um and uh you know and i i think like 
you know, and there's like organizations doing festivals and things like that. So I think we're, we're, we're part of what's really exciting right now. There's like, there, we are building patronage. We're building patronage. There's an interest in Kathak. There's a lot of dancers who are dancing and sharing what they're doing through social media, through Instagram, which has been huge. And um, Instagram, I mean, people not social media too, but I, for me, it's been, um, I tend to focus on the positive a lot in, in my life. And I think going through these different life struggles, I've, I gravitate towards that positivity, but I think that social media is, um, you know, I love seeing the dance that people are doing. It's so inspiring, you know, it's so inspiring how people are, are, are practicing their art and they're sharing what they're doing. And it's, um, uh, you know, it, I, I get inspired by, to, by watching them. And, um, and so I think like our role as uh, teachers is partly to build patronage because I think um, there was I think another because um, I listened to this podcast a lot so I I've have heard, heard other artists say that you know um, you don't want to knock people over the head and just tell them you know what you should think about Gattak when you watch it you know you, you we can't you know we uh, by no means are should we tell anybody what to think when they're watching a performance but I do think that um, you build a greater appreciation if you know uh, what what dal is, or if you know that okay, we're going to be dancing in sixteen beat cycle or seven and a half or whatever you know it, it is nine and a half. Uh, my guruji did um, so you know uh, whatever it is, you know you 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 talk about it, you tell you educate the audience, and you tell them you know what the high rhythmic pattern that repeats itself three times and you know um have them clap it out <laughs> you know you can that that you know and i saw guruji bandachitrastas you know was a um, first and foremost an educator and i think through that built patronage um in the bay area simultaneously because i i saw many critics write about him that um that you know it's a he's a he's a master teacher He's teaching us during the performance. So he loved to talk to the audience and, and tell them about what they're about to see. And, um, and so I think, yeah, I think we're, we're partly also, you know, if my student doesn't, you know, say next year, they don't want to learn anymore. They don't want to learn Katek. They, they decided not to anymore. That's fine. At least now, like they know more and they're able to appreciate our, the depth of our uh, classical music and dance. Hmm. Yes, so I think audience building or Rasik's uh, guest of mine, Baba Vansal called it like Khan sense for the dance sense. Khan means yours, right? So like, and uh, I think you like her. I episode. love that. She mm. talks about actually going to schools in Ghaziabad and doing like one-off workshops and just giving them just in uh, just a taste of Kathak just to understand what they do and you kind of and and I think Spik Makay does some of that work as well. But yes, audience building out right. Kind of builds that audience as well and yeah darlene thanks for coming on to recap let's see yeah we talked about you transitioning for a time we went into a bit of architecture and kathak and where it overlaps how you teach your students your upcoming performances and the r d work you're doing your your stint in india and how it was like being there and how you're bringing that back here and how you're really passionate about outreach and how you're building out your academy and dance company. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me and um, and also for the the work you're you're doing to um, you know uh, uh, have these conversations with all the different uh, Kathak artists. I think it's really important. I can uh, you know I we, sometimes we only hear these conversations in the context of a panel discussion with mm. artists. Uh, talking about it, but I I really appreciate um, hearing you know a new perspective each each time with you know from from all the different artists who come on here. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm.